You know, the number one thing women are looking for when it comes to a romantic partner, the number one thing is height. They want someone, overwhelmingly, who is taller than them. So that's the number one thing. Unfortunately for a lot of folks, the next thing is income. If you're not making over $100,000 a year, you are going to have a tough time getting selected by 80% of the women in the online dating pool. Then it goes to education and everything else. Height is unfortunately number one. I don't think that was the case 20 or 30 years ago. 800-848-9222. Robert in Suffolk, what's your question? Hi, Frank. Did you ever meet your doppelganger? What was it like? No, I don't think I did. When I was um, when I was in a baseball camp at Rich Martin's All Star Baseball Camp at Hofstra University, I met. I had a baseball coach that was one of the coaches there, whose name was Frank Kelleher, who people said uh, looked like me. He was actually a, a college baseball player with uh, Hofstra for a time, but no, I don't think we looked exceptionally alike. Uh, a lot of people said that uh, I looked like Joey D'Angelo, the fellow that drove the taxi cab in which Curtis Lewa was shot. Um, I could see that a little bit, but um, no, I never met anyone and said, oh boy, that person really looks like me. Because um, I did go see Lee Schreiber, who obviously a lot of people say looks like me in the play uh, Talk Radio, but I didn't get to meet him after the show. So we never ha- got to the chance to have a conversation about how alike the two of us look with one another. 800-848-9222. Peter is in Harlem. Hello, Peter. Yes, Frank. You know, when uh, Bloomberg was running for president, he went to a nursing home. And it was an older, you know, one of the older guys was a a former rag merchant. And he says to Mr. Bloomberg, he says, Mr. Bloomberg, you're a billionaire. And Bloomberg said, of course. He said, you must have heard a lot of people to get to that point. My comment to you is, what do you feel about that? What do I feel about that? Um, do I think you have to hurt people to be a billionaire? Yeah. No, no, I don't. I mean, look, I think if you look at so many of the people that are billionaires, so many of them are billionaires either because they came up with an you know, something new, an innovative way of doing things. I'm thinking of people like Sam Walton. I'm thinking of people like Steve Jobs. I'm thinking of people like Sir Richard Branson. I'm thinking of people like Mike Bloomberg or uh, because they inherited their wealth. Right. And certainly if you inherited uh, millions of dollars and you turned it into billions, you know, you didn't necessarily hurt anyone. And I'll tell you, I work for a billionaire, John Katsimatidis, who uh, was a star in five different businesses. And as I've, you know, as at least from what I've seen, I don't think there's any record of him hurting anyone. But no, I think if you look down the list, Mark Zuckerberg, Larry Ellison, um, all these folks, I don't think there's anybody. I don't want to say there's nobody. I'm sure a lot of billionaires did take advantage of a lot of people. And I'm sure there's a lot of folks that I'm not aware that they took advantage of. But no, I, I think that's a fallacy that is put forward by people like me who aren't billionaires to kind of justify the fact that someone that we think we're better than is a billionaire and we're not. I think it's a byproduct of envy. Uh, But no, I don't think that's the case at all. 800-848-9222. Howard's in Babylon. What's your question, Howard? Howard. All right, Howard's busy. 800-848-9222. Jay is in Cincinnati. What's your question, Jay? Hey, hey, Frank, when you're living there, uh, the largest city in the country here, 
Isn't it comforting for you to know when you go out of town on vacation, coming back, you can go to the same haunts that you've gone to for years and years, your favorite bakery, your favorite restaurant, your favorite stores? Isn't it wonderful to know that they'll still be there? Yeah, I mean, of course. I mean, that Sinatra song with the line, it's nice to go traveling, uh, but it's so much nicer coming home is, is so true. I mean, there was about seven years where I did not set foot outside of New York City because I felt that I just loved New York City, that I was a part of it, and it was a part of me. Now I've tried to broaden my horizons a little bit and recognize the importance and the value of traveling to other places. But, yeah, I mean, I'm sure everybody feels this way about their home. Um, At least I know a lot of people do. But I think it's a, a wonderful thing to be home and to know what uh, you know wh- what your favorite bagel store is in which neighborhood. Absolutely, eight hundred eight four eight ninety two twenty two eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. Chris is in the Catskills. What's your question, Chris? Good morning, Frank. So, if you were going to be a political advisor for Nikki Haley, the Republican, and Dean Phillips, the Democrat, for the 2028 election to win their respective parties' primaries, what would your advisement be for each respective candidate? Meaning right now, what would they have to do? Yeah, but let's say between now and three and a half to four years from now. Well, look, in the case of Nikki Haley, uh, if she really wanted to be considered for 2028, the first thing that she'd need to do, because it's clear this is where the energy of the Republican Party is at this point, is drop out of the race and enthusiastically endorse Trump and do whatever she can to fundraise for him. Because it's the Trump voters, um, even though no one named Trump may be on the ballot in in 28, it is the Trump voters that will decide I believe, who the likely nominee is in 28. So I would say that's the first thing that she needs to do. And I think she needs to reevaluate her approach to foreign policy and realize that's the uh, the Republican Party of years past. As far as Dean Phillips, that is, um, you know, that is a much more interesting uh, scenario because he really does check a lot of the a lot of the right boxes. So in terms of what he would do, I think that might be a little bit more difficult to answer. I think if I were advising him, what I would suggest is that um, you inst- you run for um, governor or or U.S. Senate in 2026 and um, try and make your way back that way because I think he's alienated, unfortunately, because I, I like Dean Phillips, he's alienated a lot of the power brokers that he'd need to make a serious uh, presidential run as far as, uh, as far as I'm concerned. 